0: um hello this is nadine bachelor hunt and this is my podcast nadine talks thank you for tuning in um i put out a note uh, a few days ago saying that this podcast would be slightly different this week because it would just be me i've been thinking a lot um about what i'm gonna say or what i was gonna talk about and i was gonna plan it and everything like that but I decided that there's no way that you can plan how something like what happened to George Floyd and the high emotions it's triggered and the kind of the way that the Black Lives Matter movement has taken off and the black community being seen, actually seen and listened to for the first time, at least in my life, that I've ever known um, on this scale. So I thought I'd just tell you about how my day went and how I felt over the course of the day. so I woke up and I immediately remembered what happened to George Floyd. The The COVID pandemic doesn't really, when I wake up it's not the first thing I think about like I used to. Well, the first thing I think about is what happened to him and what happens to my community every single day. That's what hits me now. And in a way it's harder because it feels like a tsunami of emotions have just crashed into me. When I saw what happened to George Floyd, I saw my dad. I saw my brother, I saw my cousins, I saw my uncles, I saw my granddad. I saw a black man, many of which are in my life, killed like a dog in the street. So when I woke up this morning after the last few days, and I think of the reaction, it was a lot um And every single day I wake up, I think to myself, why didn't white people care more before? Why did a black man have to be killed in that way? And the images be beamed across the world for white people to care. But it is what it is. Um, So, yeah, I woke up and I went downstairs. Uh, I logged on to Twitter and I immediately saw the whole Amber Rudd. Flora Gill Times radio thing now if you're an American listener Amber Rudd presided over the Windrush scandal Um, it happened when she was she was Home Secretary Um, and during that scandal black people in the UK from the Caribbean community um, who came over from, from the Caribbean in the 50s and 60s. My grandparents were in the Windrush generation. They came over to the UK after World War II to help rebuild this country at the request of the British Empire, well not the British Empire, but the British government. Bearing in mind that the only reason black people are in the Caribbean in the first place is because of colonialism. And many black people saw the UK as a haven in many ways as the The homeland. So people like my grandparents arrived and built their lives here and experienced horrific racism. My granddad was a bus driver, a key worker as people see them as now. And they just lived, they lived here. They had kids here. My dad was born here. The generation, this Windrush generation, they were harassed, denied life-saving health care and deported under the... Conservative government, subsequent Conservative government since 2010. And Amber Rudd was Home Secretary when the worst of it emerged. So when I went on Twitter today and I saw that she'd been given this slot on Times Radio with her her daughter. You know, she's not a journalist. She's not an established political commentator. She's a politician that was disgraced. That was absolutely disgraced by what happened. The black community are traumatized by what happened i know people in the caribbean community that have their bags packed just in case the home office come knocking that's how violent and abusive what happened to them was they were taken from this country from their homes some of them had been brought from jamaica when they were one or two years old they'd never known anywhere else this was their home they didn't know Jamaica, they never even, they couldn't even remember Jamaica and then some of the people like my grandparents' generation, the community's elders were rounded up and deported and some of them died. Some of them died after being denied life-saving health care, some of them died after deportation and now they continue to die without compensation. Only 60 have received compensation. So when I saw Amber Red on Times Radio it, it evoked a visceral response because we look at America. And we see all these people talking about George Floyd and even Amber Rudd's daughter has been hashtagging Black Lives Matter. Then Times Radio turn around and announce, oh yes, we're going to appoint Amber Rudd at this moment when black people around the world are suffering and grieving. At this moment, we're going to announce Amber Rudd. And I can imagine the white editors didn't think twice. Because why would they? When have they ever had to think twice about black lives in the UK? Though it didn't join the election. Where was the coverage? The black community was crying out. Boris Johnson was described as his with watermelon smiles. The Windrush scandal, he says black kids make him turn a hair. Conservative MPs black up and refuse to apologise. Conservative MPs use the word nigger in select committee meetings and have no consequences. So when we cried out for this party who in the 60s had an election that said if you want a nigger for a neighbour, vote Labour. No one listened. No one. A few articles were written, a few throwaway comments, but at the debates, but on, the Sky, on Sky News, on BBC News, on paper reviews, nothing. So when I saw this, I felt angry because it reminded me of the white establishment, media, an industry that I'm trying to join, that I love that i see as one of the most important parts of a functioning democracy not caring about me or my people so i started crying i cried on my mum's shoulder and she said turn your pain into something constructive tell people how you feel and that's what i'm doing so i spent the day telling people how i feel And I had a lot of wonderful people reach out to me and offer me commission, uh, commission me for articles say that they really appreciate what I've been saying. And it feels bizarre to finally be seen, for black people finally to be seen. Do you understand how long, whether it's in the United States or the United Kingdom, how long we've cried out to be heard? And one of the biggest differences to here and to the US is the press in the us they know how horrific what happens to the african-american community is but they just let it happen in the uk they don't know because our media doesn't let them know because they don't hold the government to account on each and every single thing they do that is racist when boris johnson hired eugenicist that was okayed by dominic cummings the press virtually forgot about it within days the guy didn't resign. The guy wasn't fired. He resigned. Andrew Sabisky resigned because the government didn't fire him, and he'd spoken about how he thinks black people have lower IQs. Then subsequently, Dave and Stormzy go on the Brits, and Dave describes Boris Johnson as a real racist, and Ofcom gets God knows how many complaints. To be seen. To be seen after so for so long feeling invisible. For so long, suffering and being your key workers, your doctors, your drivers, your shelf stackers, being harassed by the police. My own brother was beaten by the police in a racial profiling incident and now they're trying to put the blame on him and they won't release the footage. So when I saw what happened to George Floyd, I felt it. The black community in the UK felt it. I don't know what's going to happen next with all of this. I hope we're gonna have meaningful change. I hope something will shift in the consciousness of the white people in this country. I hope they'll finally stop getting offended when we refer to them as white people, when we refer to them of their white privilege. That we won't see articles penned in major nationals about how black people mentioning the fact that we're dying at higher rates from coronavirus is self-victimhood. That we won't have to watch white journalists ignore our questions or sideline them. Today, when I watched the government's press conference, two out of the journalists were black. Both black journalists asked about this report about BME people dying at higher rates. We weren't given answers about what the government was gonna do, which I don't think would happen if it were about white people. And the other journalists, bar one, all of which were white, asked about different questions. America's burning because of racism. People are taking to the streets across the world, shouting Black Lives Matter. Yet these white journalists went into the lobby today and said nothing. They said nothing. I've been to the lobby. I've seen it. It's white. Overwhelmingly white. And when I was there, the Jamaican deportations that happened in February were about to take place. Every single journalist was aware of it in the lobby. Some of them you'd have seen quite regularly on TV. Only one of them asked about the deportations and they were immediately followed up by another journalist that said, let's change the subject. They were more interested in a tweet Diane Abbott deleted about John Burkow than they were about the deportations. So if I was going to summarise my day today, I'd say it was one of frustration with my industry. The fact that these injustices, like Amber Rudd being hired onto the radio when black people, black journalists like myself, are so scared of speaking out about racism and looking around the world, seeing black journalists get arrested. And they are given opportunities. Politicians that deported black people, some of which died, they're the ones that get the radio opportunities, the shows, and their daughters just for being their daughters. How is this right? How is this fair? I know so many talented black journalists that are terrified, terrified, about speaking out about racism in the industry for fear of having poor prospects or losing their jobs. Black journalists accept internships and training contracts with news publications that have directly contributed to their oppression because there's no other choice, which is why I never judge someone when it comes to where they work or how they make their way in journalism because it's so white that if a white person gives you a rope and you don't take it you could drown so even if it means being dragged on a rope for your whole career and never really being able to be brought onto the ship at least you're there at least maybe out of 60 70 press conferences like we've seen four jour- four black journalists will make it through When it comes to the press conferences, I've seen four black people and they've appeared on two press conferences. So when you say Black Lives Matter, and I imagine there'll be a lot of people in the media industry listening to this. Well, not a lot, probably a handful, if that. Um, But when you say Black Lives Matter, look around your newsroom. Look at your team and ask yourself, does this look like I think Black Lives Matter? Does the content I'm covering look like i think black lives matter do the questions i'm asking the government look like black lives matter do i genuinely think black lives matter or am i just saying that what am i doing about it because i cannot emphasize enough that journalists the media they can change things as we see in america you could change the narrative you could change lives but unless white journalists start to care and unless they start getting black journalists through the door nothing will change So I'm putting this podcast out here just to tell you about my day, which also included sobbing on the phone to my dad for half an hour about what's happening. I go on Twitter and I see op-eds from white journalists telling me, or telling the world that it's woke liberals, it's got nothing to do with the UK, but how would they know? They never listen to us. They never care about what we've got to say. It's always what their opinion is. And fundamentally, this preservation of whiteness, this locking out of BME voices, and any BME person that becomes too vocal could have their job in jeopardy. This failure to hold politicians to account for racism and even giving them the best jobs. This is white supremacy. This is putting white lives above black lives. This is being so ambivalent about what happens to black people and their suffering that you don't even think twice when you hire Amber Rudd in the middle let alone in the middle of what's happened to george floyd this industry has a serious problem and i hope this podcast hasn't been too rambling but i didn't plan it i didn't write a structure to it because i just thought i'd tell you how i feel which is hurt and in pain and we've black people have carried this with them for so long for so long and I can't tell you how much it hurts for white people to finally look up because they saw a black man die like a dog in the street and scream for his mother who was dead already as the life left his body. So I am grateful that all you white people have decided that you care that this is the moment that black lives start mattering to you. Ask yourselves why it came to this and ask yourselves what you can do that is meaningful about this. And don't just look at America and think, oh, it's so terrible. Imagine if, you know, it's not as bad here as Emily Matlis did the other day on Newsnight. America knows everything it knows about white supremacism and racism because of the British. It was a British colony. We kicked off the slave trade. This is an export of the British establishment. So while black people may not have the same relationship when it comes to the state with slavery directly in the UK, more broadly, if you're looking at the UK, you're looking at the US, you're looking at the UK's legacy. So just think about that. Pick up a history book. Read about what the British have done and how it links to the, the current day. Read about how the Jamaican Prime Minister, when David Cameron visited when he was Prime Minister, refused to allow David Cameron to build a prison in Jamaica for prisoners from the UK that were Jamaican and said it's a disgrace that he even thought about doing that when his family is a descent is descended from slave owners read about black history read about our lives read about our suffering understand why we're in so much pain and how we've suffered silently because of your lack of interest this isn't new this isn't just a US issue. There's reasons this protest in Israel, the Netherlands, France. Because it resonates with black people everywhere, because we live this every day. So yeah, hopefully this wasn't too rambling. Hopefully you learnt something from it. But don't just say, Black Lives Matter. Act on it. Support black businesses. Donate to charities. When your friend makes a racist comment and you feel a bit uncomfortable and you don't say anything, speak up. Because that's how white supremacy perpetuates. If you're an editor at a newspaper or a media outlet and you're listening to this, stop hashtagging Black Lives Matter and not filling your newsroom with black people. Because black lives don't really matter to you if it's not a priority to get them in newsrooms when you know there is no journalist in the industry that doesn't know what a deficit there is when it comes to black journalists. And there is no journalist in the industry that doesn't know how many talented black journalists are out there but just are not given jobs. But people like Amber Rudd's daughter will get a job despite the fact that her mum has done some pretty heinous things. So yeah, this is an unusual format, I've just spoken my mind, I hope it's coherent, and obviously you've heard it enough, but black lives matter. And say it with your chest, don't just hashtag it, say it out loud. Because our lives aren't just a hashtag, they aren't just a social media trend. Racism isn't going to end the minute that this hashtag trend ends. I don't know when there's going to be reconciliation on race. Part of me never thinks it will happen because it's just so ingrained. But then part of me is more optimistic than I've ever been because people are listening. But the people that are listening act on it and don't just stop the minute this falls out of the news. As human beings, we have an obligation to the black community to care about us and to treat us as equals. And anything less is white supremacy. Straight up. And in the UK, we need to start using that language to describe oppression. So you're saying words like, oh, it's, we need more diversity. We need less, less white supremacism. That's what we need. White people need to stop tolerating it. Day in, day out. And if you feel guilty listening to this, good. It's, you should feel guilty. You should feel uncomfortable. Because that's how things change if you feel it deeply you feel a visceral response that's when you change that's when positive change happens but if you're just joining this as some bandwagon to virtue signal nothing will change and you don't truly care so make yourself uncomfortable make people you care about uncomfortable make white people feel uncomfortable when you talk about these issues and demand that they understand and they educate themselves and just before i go one of the best books I've read is why I no longer talk to white people about race um so I really recommend that you check that out and yeah so thank you for listening if you're in the UK or the US I hope it's not been too rambly but I needed to get this off my chest and whoever's interested in listening I think you needed to hear it so yeah stay safe During COVID-19 and to my black brothers and sisters in this state who are taken to the streets and risking their lives under a dictator I see you and I love you and I'm praying for you and no justice no peace